Hello, and welcome to Brain to Board. About 27 weeks ago, I decided to start designing a board game. About 26 weeks ago, I decided to start this podcast to document the thinking behind the game itself and the process of actually getting it out into the world. Sometimes an idea is good, but the execution of that idea is not. As I was tweaking the design of my game, I eventually came to the conclusion that it was fatally flawed in a few ways. Once I realized this and allowed myself to make major changes, I ended up with a game that is actually incredibly fun and still manages to maintain the most important aspects of the original idea. More about that and where I've been the past few months in this episode. Alright, first off, thank you to all the listeners who have written in asking about me and the game. Uh, I say all the listeners, it wasn't that many of you, but uh, for those of you who did write in, it was nice to see that there was still interest in this podcast and in my game and that kind of stuff. I think I've mentioned the email of the show here before, but in case I haven't, that's braindeboard at gmail.com. Feel free to send me an email with some feedback. One of the listeners requested that I start an email list to email people about when the game actually finally starts getting kickstarted. So if you want to be on that, email me and let me know. I've got kind of an informal email list going, so uh, I'll keep you in the loop on anything that happens with the Kickstarter. Not that that's going to happen anytime soon, but, you know, uh, in case you're interested in that, I just thought I'd mention it. So let me talk about my game now and what I've been up to. Um, So as I teased in the intro there, I've been making major changes to the game. What I realized was basically that there's a, well, I call it a fatal flaw. Um, There's probably a way to work around it, but let me lay it out. So if you've listened to the past episodes, you know the general idea of how the old game used to work. And by the old game, I mean what what was the new game, but now is the older version of the new game. Anyway... Essentially, there was too much variation in what each person around the table knows. So there was a phase where everyone has their eyes closed and you do stuff in real time where each person gets to select the next person to take a turn and they open their eyes and you closed your eyes, etc. And it goes around. So theoretically, the best play, I believe, would be to distribute the information as much as possible because you don't really know who's on your team. So you just want as many people to have as diverse um, a group of Uh, as diverse a knowledge base that way you can figure out for yourself and you have more data points to use for your deduction Um, whereas if one person ends up with all the information it's a lot harder to figure out if they're on your team or not so I think that theoretically a good play would involve distributing all the information to everyone equally but if you don't realize that that is the correct way to go in the first few plays and you just kind of play without really thinking about it uh, what ended up happening was that the information would not be well distributed, and as a result, the game would feel really unbalanced. I still maintain that I don't think it actually was unbalanced, and that if people played well, proper strategy could make it so that you have a good chance to win, no matter what team you're on, no matter how the randomness of the game plays out. But it doesn't really matter how good the game is if you're good at it, if if you don't like it long enough to get good at it, you know? If it feels so unbalanced and just random during your first few plays because you don't really understand the strategy, that it makes you not want to come back and play again, I think that's a problem. And that seemed to be what was kind of happening. Uh, so my fix for this problem involved kind of a like redesign of the whole game. Conceptually, it was still pretty much the same thing. But what I did was... Well, I wanted to eliminate the secrecy around who has seen what, and then also like make sure it's very explicitly balanced in terms of what everyone knows, uh, and keep the same sort of idea of the game. So l- let me just go over a little bit more about the old version of the game. So you had like 
uh, three cards of one color, two cards of one color, and then one card of the third color, say red, blue, yellow. Uh, those are the colors I've been using. Uh, but you don't know which ones are out there, and one person on one of the, on like the smaller team decides which color there's three of, and then the other people on the other team are trying to figure out what that color is. At the end, everyone votes for the color they think helps their team to win. Uh, so for the majority of people, they're trying to vote for the majority color. For the smaller group of people, you're trying to vote for uh, one of the other colors and try to make that be the most popular vote. And by trying to swing the vote in that way, you're trying to lie about information when you need to to make it so that that larger group of people, the ones who want to vote for the majority, don't know what it actually is um, or believe it's something else explicitly. Uh, so that was, you know, like I said, uh, ended up with the game being somewhat unbalanced because, say, like one game, someone on the smaller team would get all of the information during like the eyes closed switching stuff around phase. And if one person ends up with all that information, they have all the power and they can just make the game go like they can make the game basically end however they want it to which means their team's always going to win uh so it just it didn't have a great uh feeling what i wanted to do was keep the same central idea which is unlike in say avalon or one night ultimate werewolf which i'm going to talk about a little bit later uh sort of the differentiation between those two games which i feel are two of the most important games to differentiate from in this genre unlike those where almost everything has to do with who the players are and what matters is what team you are on i wanted to make it so that what matters more is getting the right information so you still need to know what team people are on so that you can tell if they're giving you reliable information but you don't necessarily need to know what team they're on to win so you can still win without knowing for sure what team everyone's on uh, and the way I did that was by abstracting the win condition of the game to a set of colored cards, and you're trying to figure out the majority of them. Now, in the new version, uh, the larger team, who I've called the People's Party, uh, I can explain more about the lore of the game in a future episode, but we'll just use the names for now. So there's the People's Party, they're the larger team, and then there's the Legacy Party, who's the smaller team. And the People's Party is trying to figure out the color that there's two of. Remember, I said there was three of one color, two of another color, and one of the last color? So now instead of trying to find the majority color, which occasionally ended up being way too easy in the old version, you're trying to find the middle color with only two, not the one there's one of, not the one there's three of. And the smaller team, the Legacy Party, is trying to figure out which color there's three of. And at the start now, neither team knows what the distribution of colors is. And there's a pretty simple way of shuffling the cards that neither team knows which what the distribution is, but still maintains that there's always three, two, and one. Uh, as far as the colors go. So with this new version, neither team knows what color they want to vote for at the end, and they have to rely on information from the other players to figure that out. Now, one of the teams has an easier time of figuring out what the truth is because the People's Party team, if they just all tell the truth and then they all figure out correctly what colors are out there, well, then they're a larger team, they can just vote and they'll have the majority vote and they'll win. But that, that means the other team's going to lie, and if the other team's lying and they know the other team's telling the truth, so the Legacy Party's lying, they know the People's Party are mostly telling the truth, then they can more easily figure out what they're actually trying to vote for. So it's, it's kind of this give and take of information that works out a bit better. And instead of having one, everyone's eyes closed when you're looking at what colors and cards you see in the middle, instead at the start of the game, everyone looks at two cards. You get to choose which two you look at, and... By when After you look at those cards, so everyone sees what you look at, 
everyone looks at exactly two, and then you have some discussion. So you know what someone looked at, and you're like, are they lying about it? Are they not? They're disagreeing with someone on what that card is. Obviously, one of them's lying, stuff like that. So it really adds a new element of certainty about the distribution of information. And it can still be unbalanced, but if it is, it's because the players choose for it to be that way. So it actually makes it kind of fun. Um, Like, it's possible that everyone can look at the same two cards and then just have no idea what the other four cards are. And obviously, that's not helpful for anyone. Like, no one's going to really be able to use that information to help them to win. But it can still be a funny thing when it happens. Uh, It's obviously not a good strategy, but it can be quite funny uh, when people start doing stuff like that in the plays of the game. So I hope I've laid out a bit about what the game is. It's essentially a social deduction game where now you have colors in the middle. You're trying, one team's trying to figure out which one there's two of, the other team's trying to figure out which there's three of. Uh, and then at the end, you're going to vote for whichever one you think helps your team. If you're on the smaller team, you tend to be lying a bit because if you're on the smaller team, you can be outvoted easily if everyone knows the correct information. If you're on the larger team, you're trying to figure out the correct information, but you still might want to lie a little bit to confuse the other team, because if you give them all the information they need, they'll have it too easy. And there's some other small rules changes, like uh, there's all sorts of roles on different teams, and I can go into more detail on those things in future episodes. I just figure I have a lot to talk about this episode, so I might as well save some more for the future about the specifics of the game itself. What I do want to talk about, though, is the differentiation between this game and other social deduction games. When I changed from the old design, I got rid of one of the major differentiators, which was having real-time components to the game. Uh, And by that, I mean not just real-time for discussion, but like real-time of actual interaction with game mechanics, like real-time looking at cards, real-time switching cards. And so this the new version has a real-time phase, but it's just discussion, and at the end of that, you decide to vote. So that's not as much of a differentiator as it was before. Now, I mentioned earlier that I wanted to differentiate specifically from the games of Avalon and One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which are, I think, two sort of extremes of the social deduction genre, and I think that it's important to bring something new to the table that those games don't have. Um, Because if you don't, why not just play those? So let's start with Avalon. What makes it different from there? Uh, Avalon is a very long game, and the good team, the quote-unquote good team, I don't remember what the actual names are. Whenever I play with my friends, we just call them by the resistance terms, which are resistance and spies. So let's say the resistance, the good team. In Avalon, you only ever tell the truth. There is no reason whatsoever to lie if you're on the good team. I mean, there are slight reasons, um, like you could have a special power, you could be Merlin, you could be Percival, you could try to trick the other team. But in general, almost always the best strategy is just to tell the truth and hope that the rest of your team figures out the truth as well, along with you. And this is fine, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, I think that's a great a great way for it to work. But it can also be interesting if you have incentive to lie, to mislead, no matter what team you're on, even if you're on the, the team that seems like you wouldn't have to as much. And in my new game, which I'm tentatively calling, I don't have a tentative title for it, just kidding. I was, thought I was going to say the tentative title, but it's not good enough that I, uh, I don't want to say it. Anyway, uh, in my game, since neither team knows what their win condition is, lying can be a good thing to do on either team, as long as you don't mess it up for your your own team, you know? It's like you have to walk a fine balance between telling enough truth that your team figures it out, trying to figure out who's on your team, obviously, and maybe like you can wink at them or something, and 
you're trying to walk that balance and make it so that the vote goes your way, even if you don't know exactly who's on your team and you don't know exactly what the truth is. You just want to go with what you think is most likely to be the truth and hopefully mislead the other team enough that they get it wrong. So no matter which team you're on, you can do that in my game. Whereas in Avalon, it's kind of like the spies or Mordred, minions of Mordred or whatever they're called, are basically always lying and misleading and the good team is always telling the truth. So it doesn't really have that dichotomy as much. Uh, in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which I think is at the very other far extreme, where you don't even know what team you're on because you could have been switched. So in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, it's like the extreme of what I was just talking about, where you always lie, no matter what. If you aren't lying, you're not playing it right, because you don't know what team you're on, so you need to wait long enough to figure out what team you're on. So that means you need to lie, you need to have plausible deniability, like no matter what happens, no matter what you find out. I wanted to stay away from that and keep it a little bit more on like the social deduction side of things in terms of like working together with your team. Uh, so a little bit more of that a aspect of Avalon, but still have some of the feeling of One Night Ultimate Werewolf where you can still lie. So in my game, you always know what team you're on. Uh, so that completely eliminates the whole just like lie because you don't know. And now it's like every time you lie, it should be strategic, which is interesting, I think. I think that's more interesting than One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Not to say that it's not an interesting game. Uh, I think overall One Night Ultimate Werewolf is a really cool game and a really cool package. Personally, I think it's more fulfilling to lie and have a strategy work out or not work out than to just kind of like lie until you figure out what's going on. So yeah, that's that's the gist of it. That's why I think the new game is differentiated. And like I said, playtesting went extremely well. Uh, I basically, I was playing some of the old version of the game. Playtesting was going all right, but you know, I wasn't getting amazing positive feedback. I was noticing a lot of things I didn't like about the game and trying various ways to fix it, but they weren't really working that well. So I just kind of scrapped it all. Went back to the original idea, which was this abstraction of teams to voting on cards which makes it so that there is no, like, you don't necessarily have to know what team everyone's on to win. That was the main idea that I really wanted to work on and make work, was the abstraction to the cards that everyone needs to figure out information about. And by just completely rethinking how to get there, I think it worked really well. I did a ton of playtesting while I was back at my family's home in San Diego, because um, I'm up in school in L.A. right now. And while I was back there, I had a ton of friends who I was like, hey, come on over, play this game with me, and or just play with, like, or I'll watch while you play, stuff like that. And every single time I played that, it went well. So that was super great. Next episode, I'm going to talk more about signs that playtesting is going well or badly, having experienced both, because it's kind of hard to tell if your playtest isn't going well, because, you know, everyone wants to be polite and stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can tell them not to be polite, but it doesn't really work. I'm going to talk about that more next episode to hopefully help you by cautioning you about things you can look out for. After that, I want to talk about more about like what I'm going to do now, now that the game is more or less in its final state. I've had good playtesting. It's going real well. I just kind of need to start moving on to the next things with art and thinking about manufacturing details and getting quotes and stuff for the Kickstarter. I don't know when I'm going to get to all that, but I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode after the next episode. And anyway, that's about it for this episode. No more talking about the future. What is this? Uh, psychic? Uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, thank you for listening to my long rambly podcast i promise the future episodes are going to be a bit more focused than this one i just wanted to get back into the swing of things give as much of a broad update as i could about what's going on where i've been and all that stuff 
But yeah, thanks for listening. The music in this podcast is by Technoax. You can find a link to the exact song in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you hopefully next week. Although, you know, I might end up taking like a 20-week break or something. It happens from time to time. Thanks for listening.